We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to RotoWire's Monday NBA DFS podcast. I'm Joe Bartle, and joined alongside me once again is Ben Miller. Ben, uh, really, there's not much more to talk about. It feels like than March Madness. We, yeah, I mean, as soon as you get in March, that's that's the only thing we're looking at. It's it's basketball time. Like, we got Selection Sunday yesterday. Yep. The Badgers got screwed over in their placement. That's like the prevailing sentiment in the office. Unbelievable. Yes. Um, I I was actually at. Uh, a water park yesterday, an indoor water park, okay. and I didn't get a chance to really see <laughs> much of their championship game or the or the placement. So I was stunned when I thought when I saw that they actually thought it was a joke. Like yeah. I, I thought it was like a, a spoof thing that was on TV. So it wasn't like I wasn't like extremely ticked about the eight seed. It was more about who they seeded ahead of us. Like like Minnesota was a five seed right. and Maryland was a six seed and there was like three or four Big Ten teams seated ahead of us. It was like come on, like what what is that? Like we have especially Minnesota like that that blows my mind away and they have Spriggs who's another guy on their team's injured he was one of their best players so I don't know I thought that was crazy I don't want to get into too much of like a, a fanboy Wisconsin thing I mean we already do that enough we, yeah, show. we, we do, do I, that so I don't want to complain about it too much I just I think it seems almost like the, na- the national sentiment is also a why is Syracuse not in and b Wisconsin got screwed in their placement so yeah that that just seems to be what I'm hearing right now uh, from other pundits and analysts out there which makes me feel a little better <laughs> but I was surprised as well not only by the Wisconsin seating but the Minnesota seating is yeah well. I don't I just don't understand it but hey um, the, the worst part of it actually is that we have to face Villanova in the second round if we do win right I mean that's a big if because it's not like Wisconsin's playing great right now exactly um, well I mean they did make it to the the finals of the Big Ten right, championship right, right. and the Big Ten I believe is one of the stronger conferences and I'll say stronger as in there are a lot of teams that are all kind of meh and around that point yeah which makes for a better competition if you're going that way I don't think that 
any of them are going to be Final Four teams. Frankly, I'm not even sure if many Big Ten teams are going to be in the Elite Eight. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't think, think so that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I just don't. Um, yeah. But I still think it was a good competition for them, and it should have been a showcase saying, hey, yeah. But that's what it is. I come away thinking March Madness of these of those big runs that you've seen from specific players. So I think of the Kemba Walker one, especially when we talk March Madness, where UConn, I think that was a 2010-11 season, UConn wasn't even expected to be in the tournament. They, yeah. were, they were ninth in the Big East. And then Kemba Walker just went nuts, scored like 130 points during the Big East tournament and got them there. Yeah. And that got them like an eight or nine seed. And then they ended up winning the whole thing. Insane. Yeah. I think that was probably the lowest seed to win it in quite a while, probably. I think that's the last. I think so. Well, the only other team that I'm thinking of lower seed wise would be Butler, who they beat yeah. in that championship match. But I feel like Butler, that was right around the Gordon Hayward, Brad Stephen heydays that I, I feel. Uh, they might have been a, a lower seed or actually a low seed in that final seed. Yeah. I, I can't quite remember, but I came away thinking Kemba Walker was going to be the best NBA point guard. And that really hasn't happened, although he's kind of developed into, I think, upper echelon point guard now, but it's taken four or five, six yeah, years to make that happen. he's still pretty darn good. Like He's, he's a scorer, and that, that's exactly what he showed in that in that March Madness tournament, um, especially when like every single person in the in the country was pushing against UConn. I mean, UConn's been there so many times. Everyone wanted Butler to win that game, but he just took it on his own back. Yeah. Uh, well, and the thing was they had won, I think, the Elite Eight game by two points, and then their Final Four game by one point. Yeah. And, and that was all, I feel like, led by Kemba Walker. So I I think I am the first to admit that I get really wrapped up in sensational March Madness performances. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's great, when in reality probably isn't great or not as great as you see him being. And I also think of... Our boy Buddy Heald is another yeah. example. Even last year, I came away thinking Buddy Heald was the best guard in that draft, and and I don't think that's the case now, despite the fact that he is always going to be the Buddy Heald lock of the night in my mind. Yeah, no. uh, the the original one, the first podcast right, one. Right. Yeah, so those are just two instances that I came away thinking players probably are going to be better than what they have shown in the NBA. Yeah, I mean Frank Kaminsky with the Wisconsin had a pretty big tournament. I, I'm, I won't go too far into him because we talk. We just said we weren't going to be. I know, I know. That's why I'll pass on that for now. (laughs) But no, otherwise I'll I'll always remember Steph Curry for Davidson. Um, He went to back-to-back tournaments with with Davidson um, once as a 13 seed and once as a 10 seed. Um, And when they were a 10 seed, they actually he actually took them all the way to the Elite Eight. You know, they beat teams like Gonzaga, Georgetown, even Wisconsin. Those are big names. in college. So they knocked off like the two seed and. three seed and then almost almost took down Kansas too who was the one seed at that point in time and I think Curry had a couple at least one 40 point game throughout that stretch too you know he was still that tiny skinny little right. dude where it's like this guy can't be good in the NBA can he but like he just he just filled it up so um that was another performance I definitely remember um for March Madness wise he was one of those guys that well, I guess the whole Davidson team for that matter was one of those teams that the analysts would be like, now watch out for this team. Right. They're probably not going to beat them, but if you're going to pick a 13 <laughs> over four seed or whatever it is that they always say, yeah. this is the team to pick out. And the, I mean, oftentimes those guys are wrong. Not their reasoning isn't wrong. It's just that the other, the, the higher seed team is the better team. Right. And you need a transcendent player like a Steph Curry to make an upset run like that when you are a small school. Yeah. That's how it always works. I also think of Kenneth Fareed for whatever the reason, too. Yeah, he was he San Diego State or something I like think that, so. Or? And they that was the year or two when they had been dominant. And the thing was, he was just a massive rebounder. And I was like, how can a six foot six guy, I think at that time he was right, right around that height. Yeah. Um, how can he be such a good rebounder? And I came away watching the game like, oh my God, <laughs> this guy is good. I don't know what position he's going to play, yeah. but he is going to 
maybe a really, really good rebound or right. just the ferocity that he did it. So it's players like Steph Curry where they have to kind of carry it. And that's when I think you can actually take do the takeaway that I was alluding to with the Buddy Heald and the, the Kemba Walker. When you see those um, lower-seeded teams really make big runs and they have to be a smaller school, generally speaking, they either have a transcendent player or a transcendent coach. Yeah. No, it's funny because we we see all these big schools play on ESPN like every every week. There's like a, yeah. a different school who's got who's got one of those players is like the top fifteen you know prospects. But yeah, once we hit those middle tier uh, or which, uh, mid uh, well yeah, you, I mean mid major there I'm going. yeah <laughs> the mid major middle tier or lower tier too. Like I think that's yeah. fine. At this point, we get it. We but yeah, we want to get more surprises from those teams, and that's probably one of the best things that I enjoy about March Madness the most is just seeing those teams that you haven't seen before. Um, and then players that are just like, oh, this guy's actually really good. So, I mean, that's always fun. Well, let's go ahead and move past March Madness. Let's talk what we're actually supposed to be here for, uh, some NBA DFS basketball. We're getting towards the end of the season now. Uh, we So we're less games taking place, eight games slate for Monday. I think the biggest takeaway that I had from yesterday's games, aside from the fact that we'll go over the perfect lineup, is the Bucks. Well, actually, they won Saturday, but they're now six games. They've won six consecutive games ever since we thought they would win against the Nuggets when we went to that game. Did you know that, Ben? I, I didn't know about the the Nuggets part. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they're... Uh, ever since we went to that game, they have now won on a winning streak. They so just we had to, wanted to lose in front of us. It's and, like we had to sacrifice ourselves for the Bucks to continue know, doing well. I'm willing well. to take that sacrifice this year. But, <laughs> yeah, um, they are. It's yeah. also just after we talked about them, whether they are um, they should tank it and get a better draft pick or go for the playoffs. It looks like they're going for the playoffs. So. Well, they're now firmly in control of the eighth spot, which is, yeah. which is nice, too. I think only like a, a couple games back from the sixth seed even, so... I think that's that's the part of it all where we're going to have a shot at competing further along uh, in the playoffs than we might expect, which yeah. is the fun part of this whole thing. But yeah, they've won six consecutive games since we sat through that Denver Nuggets stinker <laughs> of one, which is very right. interesting to me. Um, but yeah, breaking down Sunday's six-game slate, before we head into the Monday eight-game slate, we had point guard Jordan Clarkson going against the 76ers at 4,500, and point guard Damian Lillard going against the Suns at 9,000. For the perfect lineup last night, we also saw James Harden going against the Cavaliers at 11,700, and Karis LeVert going against the Knicks at th- uh, 3,700. At small forward, we saw Lance Thomas going against the Nets at 4,200, and small forward Rondé Hollis Jefferson going against the Knicks at 4,300. That Knicks Nets game ended up being pretty profitable, yeah. <laughs> uh, which makes sense because they both suck. Right. So, no yeah. defense, a lot of points scored. Right. Probably that's... And a lot of rebounding yeah. also when it comes with uh, <laughs> miss shots. Yes, exactly. Right. Which is going to be a little bit of foreshadowing for the matchup I'm targeting tonight. Yeah, but me yeah, too. Rounding out the perfect lineup, we have Chris Stapps Porzingis at the power forward spot again going against the Knicks at 6,400. And Julius Randle going against the 76ers at 6,700. Another two crappy teams matchup producing multiple perfect lineup players. And finally, Hassan Whiteside. Rounded up the perfect lineup from Sunday, going against the Pacers, eighty five hundred was his price tag for Sunday's six game slate. Any big takeaways that you have from that? Um, there wasn't anything like overly surprising for me on this one, but Hassan Whiteside had a monster performance. He had twenty six points, twenty one boards. Looks like that was Whiteside's thirteenth thirteenth straight game with double digit boards in his ninth time having nineteen rebounds or more. So he's getting it down done like usual on the boards. And then you know, I think it's also worth noting um, Jordan Clarkson. He kind of came out of nowhere a little bit last night, had 51 FanDuel points, you know, with no more Lou Williams in the fold. I think Calderon's out, too. So it seems like he's he's starting to perform a little little bit better, um, and now that he's getting a little more chances than, than he was before. Over 10 times the point total for, for Jordan Clarkson. He was at 4,500, yeah. put together 51 
FanDuel points. That's a pretty big margin. Um, for me, I think the biggest takeaway, and we've been kind of pointing these out once we do these, was that there were three players under 4,500. Actually, I'm sorry, four players under 4,500 from the perfect lineup on Sunday. Normally, we see three to four games on those Sunday slates that we kind of go over. Having six games, I think we're kind of figuring out the trend that we want to go with if, if we're succeeding on weekend tournaments. It's that you want to target those high-priced guys, put them into your lineup right away, and then figure out where the low-priced guys fit in. In this case, you're looking at that Knicks-Nets matchup in the 76ers-Lakers where both teams stink. And you're just trying to get as many uh, of those guys in there as possible, and that worked out. But that's kind of what we've been learning now with these weekend games, at the very least, is that those lower-priced guys are definitely people you have to consider when putting together your lineups. Yeah, I think the lower price, the lower tiers is one of the most important things to kind of study for longer. That you know, it's it's easy to pick a higher-priced guy that has a great matchup, but then you know, it's it's tough finding that that depth um, in in the player pool where where you have guys that are still thirty nine hundred four four thousand, you know. Uh, that that have opportunities maybe because of injuries or just because you know it's it's a great matchup and you know there's points available um so yeah that you're completely right there eight games for monday's slate we see the bulls and hornets tip things off at seven o'clock eastern time followed by the mavericks and raptors at seven thirty eastern time wizards timberwolves at eight o'clock eastern time and bucks grizzlies eight o'clock eastern time then the Hawks and Spurs, 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Clippers, Jazz, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. And we have the last two games of the eight games late. Lakers, Nuggets, 10.30 Eastern Time. Magic, Kings, 10.30 uh, Eastern Time. Before we break down the notable injuries for those, let's first get a word from our sponsors, FanDuel. Baseball is just around the corner. Don't get stranded on first base without a Rotowire subscription, and don't miss out on this great offer. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today, and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Go to FanDuel.com slash RotoWire to claim the prize. Must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible. Users may only establish one account on FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com slash RotoWire. Okay, eight games Monday. We have a, a handful of injuries to kind of keep note of, and that's not including ones that we could potentially see later on down the road. So let's get right to it. Bulls and Hornets. We know that Miles Plumley will be out with a calf injury. Johnny O'Brien, the former Bucks stud, not really, but kind of, uh, will be out with an ankle injury. However, your boy Frank Kaminsky is a game-time decision with his shoulder injury. He's missed the last five games. Uh, he did participate in Monday's shoot-around, however, so he's looking like he's going to play. Yeah, and we've, we've, we've talked up Cody Zeller the last few pods, and it, it's going to be interesting to see how much of a role or how much of a decrease uh, role he takes if, if Kaminsky's able to you know, get, get healthy. And you know, he, Kaminsky was playing so well when Zeller was hurt, mm-hmm. so it's, it should be interesting to see if he's actually you know, garnered a bigger role in the rotation, which could, could hurt Zeller's value overall. Yeah, I mean, Zeller has been consistently one of those guys at the center spot that we have been able to slot in as one of the mid-tier cheaper options, yeah. and and he's done well. So I think this is a bigger deal than one might let on because both uh, you know Zeller and Kaminsky are two dudes that you wouldn't think of normally when it comes to DFS. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think first and foremost, if we see Kaminsky play and play well, that's great news because he was also one of the mid-tier guys that we would like to use quite a bit. Yeah, no, you're completely right. I just, I just, I'm wondering if the combination of the two is going to hurt each other's value more than um, more than we we saw before. I guess we'll see when it plays out. Moving over to the Mavericks and Raptors, we know that Nerlens Noel, that big trade line acquisition from the Mavericks, will be out. He's missing his third straight game with a knee injury. That means more potential playing time for Dwight Powell, and we know that uh, Dirk Nowitzki will be sliding over again to that center spot. So Dirk's actually been playing pretty well at center lately, and again, listed as a power forward, he can kind of provide some uh, intriguing value with where he's been playing lately. Yeah, Dirk. Dirk's a guy that's... 
he's he's kind of outperformed what we we all thought he was going to yeah. do this year. You know, he's he's freaking old, dude. He is so <laughs> old. <laughs> no, but he just, he keeps performing, and I he does always have a pretty decent price um, alongside him. And then with the the Raptors, you, you mentioned Powell. Um, a lot of people talked him up last week. He, he really hasn't done much. I think the presence of PJ Tucker kind of kind of hurts his value, despite you know Damari Carroll being hurt and everything like that. So um, I, that's still probably a guy I'm, I'm not trying to use. Well, I wasn't even talking about that Powell. I was talking about Dwight Powell, the the back oh, for <laughs> the Mavericks. Yes, but no, you are leading right. me into another injury that we right. discussed. Kyle Lauer, we know, will be out with the wrist injury. He's been out for a while. Uh, we've seen DeMar DeRozan take more of a role, but we have Damari Carroll. That's going to be a game-time decision with an ankle injury. Norman Powell, the one you are mentioning <laughs> Jumped here. Jumped the gun there a little know, bit. That's fine, actually, because I, I I have discussed Norman Powell, not really my, my like for him, and you're kind of echoing that statement, at least today. Norman Powell could get the start if Carroll is out. Um, he did get the start on Saturday so is that a guy that you'd want to use in this case no not really he he played so well without um you know Carroll earlier in the season um but with talk PJ Tucker now there after the trade deadline I think he he really hurts Powell's value despite you know Carroll even not playing so I'm probably steering away for for now I think that's fair moving over to the Wizards Timberwolves just the usual suspects for the T-Wolves including Zach Levine who was again out with that knee injury the Bucks Grizzlies see uh just a handful of smaller injuries to note Michael Beasley will be out with his knee injury. We know Mirza Toledovic will be available to play after missing the last two games with a hamstring injury. And Malcolm Brogdon will be available off the bench. He's missed the last two games with a back injury. I normally like to use Brogdon as a point guard option, especially when it comes to cheaper things. Before the injury, he was getting around 30 to 35 Fandle points. Um, this has kind of opened the door for Matthew Delvadova to get more playing time. He hasn't really translated that to Fandle points. He's actually been scoring the ball relatively a lot. I think he's gotten three of the last four games. He's gotten over ten points, which is, uh, I'll say, atypical for what we've seen of him throughout the season. Is Della Vadova or Brogdon a guy that you'd want to target as a point guard option tonight? Well, they did confirm Della Vadova is going to start, uh, but you're right. Like I think he's got very limited upside, and I think his max points is low twenties, if anything. And then with with Brogdon fresh off an injury and kind of splitting those minutes with Del Vadova, I'm probably steering away from that as well tonight. I don't think there's too much too much value there, and I think it's a little too risky to choose one or the other. I'm definitely not using Brogdon, and I'm curious as to how much off the bench really means for yeah, playing time. Yeah. Like that that seems very uh, I'll say skeptical right now, right. for lack of a better word. I just I don't see that really helping. But once Brogdon gets back and healthy, he's definitely a guy I'd still like to target, especially as the Bucks are continuing their winning ways. Yeah. Um I do kind of like Del Vadova at thirty eight hundred. Um if you want to go cheap at point guard, and actually I wouldn't advise that tonight, but if you want to go cheap there, that's not the worst thing in the world. I mean it's not like uh, the Grizzlies actually have been that good defensively against point guard options uh, in the last five games or so. I think they're they're definitely top ten. I think it's closer to top five that they've allowed Fanduel points to point guards. Again, I agree with you. There's probably limited upside, but if we're talking about using ten thousand guys and four thousand guys like the Sunday slate, Delvadova might be a guy I would target. Yeah, if you're doing like a tournament and you want to get risky, and if you're trying to stack some some higher price guys, I could see that being you know a valid you know option, I guess. Going over to the Hawks and Spurs, we have Mike Dunleavy will be out with the ankle injury. He's not much of a uh, DFS option, but kind of a big injury that came down, I think, yesterday, really. LaMarcus Aldred with his heart arrhythmia. I can never say that word. <laughs> I shouldn't even bother saying it. He, I mean, he's having some problems with his heart. Yeah. We, we don't want you to play. That's, no. Yeah, that, that's... You stay away from the court. So that's yeah, a bit he's serious. Out. Yeah. He's out, and he's going to be having more tests performing his heart today. That's a really big deal to me. That really, really scares me. Kind of the same thing with Chris Bosh, too, when that stuff was, was coming around. And such a brutal blow to the Spurs as a whole, who 
kind of were hoping that Aldridge would carry the the way for the new wave of Spurs with Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and manager nobly getting close to their their break yeah it's kind of been a seamless transition for them Mm -hmm. and i didn't really see that coming so aldridge specifically is a huge huge blow to to any playoff run that they're they're trying to have potentially means more minutes for david lee right david lee yeah he's a guy we talked about last wednesday he had a pretty big game i think like 32 fandal points or something Mm -hmm. like that um his minutes have been really weird uh the last two games i was like 18 minutes and then 11 and that that worries me um, I, I do still think it's a guy that has upside if he does get the the full minutes load. Um, at 4,500, he's he's cheap too, so um, that that's an option. I'm still I think it's a little risky for tonight's game though. Uh, another option to look at: Tony Parker will be out with his third consecutive game uh, due to a back injury. That means Patty Mills and almost all Patty Mills because Dehante Murray will be out with a groin injury, missing his second straight game. Patty Mills has to be one of the most used options tonight, right? Yeah, you got to think his his ownership is just going to be through the roof. There's no no Parker and no Murray. There's I don't think they have any other point guards on the roster. Like um, they might have to use some Danny Green there or something too. But like yeah. Mills is going to get easily over 30, 30, 35 minutes. So I think you're right that that's going to be a highly owned. Player. Hawks aren't aren't that great of a defensive team against point guards, but they're not a sieve either. Right. Um, but I, I again, he's I think Patty Mills is four thousand even for yeah. his price tag. I would be very shocked if, at least in most double-up formats and, and frankly, most tor- tournament formats, if he's not around 35 40% owner rate, yeah. even in the bigger ones. I just He's he's going to be used a lot just by the sure minutes of volume that he's going to be getting against the Hawks. Yeah, and he's performed well in the past. He's had multiple 30-plus FanDuel point games, so that, that's that's there's good reason why he's going to be owned. One other injury to note from that matchup, and it could be the biggest injury of the entire night, Kawhi Leonard is a game-time decision with a concussion. He originally suffered it Thursday. He sat out Saturday. Um, th- this could be a big deal for a variety of reasons. There's actually a couple of spots that you can go when constructing your lineup. And if Leonard is healthy, I think he'd be the first guy that I would normally put into the lineups. The Hawks allow the most points, FanDuel points, that is, two small forwards. Leonard is, you know, he's going to have to carry the load, frankly, for the offensive stuff without Aldridge, without Tony Parker, um, if he's able to play. But I'm a little concerned because he's suffering those concussion symptoms, or at least was earlier this weekend, how much they really will play with if he is in fact healthy for this yeah and it's the spurs it's, it's popovich i i think they see i i have a pretty good feeling they're gonna err on the side of caution here and, and hold him out um I, I just i just don't think popovich is willing to to risk his star player and, and throw him back in there too soon so I, i'm guessing he'll sit out and if he does play i think he'll play the full minutes load but i just i just don't think he's gonna play at all so that's that's kind of my reasoning there. especially but, with the playoffs creeping around the corner I, yeah I, I think that that's probably the safest way to go and I know I constructed my lineup as such and you did as well but if we find out that Leonard is in fact playing he's the first guy I'm putting in and we're changing everything else around like I I, I just I, he has a great matchup um he's performed extremely well in the last yeah, two weeks so or so hot, yeah he's been so hot before and he's under 10,000 I mean he's right. been under 10,000 through all of this so I I'm definitely playing Leonard if he is playing but I have to agree with you that I'm suspecting he won't yeah I just I just don't see Popovich allowing allowing him to play but that could mean you know guys like Jonathan Simmons um maybe even Kyle Anderson but, yeah they both did yeah. well last time that right. Leonard was out when they actually played their starters yeah <laughs> not like right. that Warriors Spurs game <laughs> uh going over to the Clippers Jazz we have Diamond Stone for the Clippers he's a game time decision doesn't really matter anyway but uh, good good to point out Derek Favors will be out with a bone bruise and reevaluated later this week meaning we could see more Boris Diaw we could see more Trey Lyles we could see God knows what. It's the Utah Jazz. I can't yeah. even figure it out. They've had some weird combinations with Joe Johnson going at power yeah. forward, and it's 
it's kind of an ugly situation. I'm um, steering far, far away. Yeah, I, I, I just don't see enough value and upside in one specific player in that front court where it's, you know, a matchup I'm like digging in on. So I, I agree. I'm, I'm probably passing on that, that power forward spot at least. Shelvin Mack will be out with a game time injury, and Rudy Gobert is a game time decision with a knee injury. Jeff Withy started for him on Saturday, uh, and Gobert did practice and shoot around Monday. So, kind of expecting him to play. Uh, I would feel kind of confident using him as well. The Clippers, it's a tougher matchup against centers because DeAndre Jordan will gobble up all the rebounds, but they're both similar kind of players, DeAndre Jordan and Rudy Gobert. So, uh, I wouldn't necessarily steer away from that matchup should Gobert be ruled healthy and active for this game. Yeah, I think, depending on Gobert's price, let's see where he's at. I think he's in the mid-7,000s. 7, 7,800, that's not, that's not horrible. No. Um, so I'd, I'd probably be you know willing to play him as well. There, there, there are some decent other center options yeah, for tonight's right. game, though, so I'm not like set on you know waiting for tip-off to see if he plays or not. But yeah, I think if you if you're really wanted to play him, that's completely fine. Rounding out the two games left on the Monday game, on the Monday eight-game slate, we have the Lakers Nuggets. Kenneth Fareed, who I discussed earlier in our March Madness talk, he's doubtful with a back injury. He's missed the last eight games. Jimmy Nelson is a game-time decision with a hip injury. And Wilson Chandler, one of the more higher-priced small forwards on today's slate, he's a game-time decision as well. If he's cleared to play, he'll probably play a power forward, so it's an interesting dynamic that you can possibly get in there. Um, but the Nuggets, Lakers, is likely going to be the matchup I target the most depending on who's healthy yeah I completely agree that that's that's a crazy high uh, over under it's like 220 something and the next highest is 214 and like 200 so right um yeah I'm targeting that game for sure there's no defense that's gonna be played there it's it's a lot of shots up so this is definitely a game where you know even checking out the matchups with Chandler you know if Chandler's cleared that that's a guy I'm, I'm considering and you know if, even if Nelson doesn't play there's there's some some really cheap point guard options on there that I'd, I'd consider using. Only issue is that there's a lot of cheap point guard options this whole slate. <laughs> True. Like that's, that's, yeah. We've been discussing this. We've been doing these podcasts now quite a bit, and it always feels like, ah, I'm going to go pay up a point guard because I don't want to pay down. I am definitely paying down a point guard, and I almost wonder if I'm paying down twice. Like that, that, It's a complete flip-flop of what we normally do, and that's what we're dealing with with Monday eight-game slate here. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of cheap point guards. I agree there's going to be at least one one point guard yeah. you got to pay down for, yeah. whether that's Patty Mills or Jamal Murray in this Nuggets game. Like There's there's some options. And the final game of the—I'm ten, uh, the, sorry, a 10-game. I'm jumping ahead here. Uh, the <laughs> eight-game slate, we have the Magic and Kings. Actually, neither team really has too many injuries to note for there, so— one thankful thing to look out for when you're putting together your lineups is that Magic and Kings, really not too many big guys to to worry about injury-wise. All right, so we kind of were just discussing the point guards. Um, of the point guards under $7,000 and less, who is your favorite option on tonight's slate? I mean, it's hard not to look at Patty Mills. That's that's pretty pretty easy to look at. 4000 He's so cheap, going to get a huge workload. Um, otherwise, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by Jordan Clarkson at 5200 He's He's uh, really turned it on a late. You know, he was in the yesterday's optimal lineup um so i think i think there's definitely some value there he's he's that's a decent price for him 5200 um and then like i just mentioned if, if jameer nelson's out I'd, I'd even consider using a guy like jamal murray um the rookie um i just don't think the nuggets are too heavily involved with M- moutier anymore and they'd rather just develop some younger guy like like murray so i i, I think he is also younger too well they were trying to like trade him i don't think he's a plan like in their plans yeah. for the future so yeah. i think they'd rather try and develop murray and, and use him um, more extensively. Murray's actually been the better scorer throughout the year. I mean, yeah. that's, and that Moody has kind of been, if you were to pick a, 
uh, something that he actually does. He'd be more of a passing kind of guy, at least what we've been able to see some of it. So, yeah, I, I like all those options that you listed. Um, and I'll go ahead and say D'Angelo Russell actually would be my first choice as point guard. He's at 6,700, so a little bit on the higher end of that suggestive range that I'm putting. But, again, Nuggets are not very good defensively against point guards. They have not been all year. They have not been good against guards, just period. So I love using as many Lakers and Nuggets as you can on this <laughs> matchup. Agree, and yeah. and I, I'll suggest and kind of foreshadow the optimizer agrees with me. Uh, yeah. That's kind of the way that it's looking at, yeah. too. So D'Angelo Russell at 6,700, I like that quite a bit. He's been averaging at least 30 to 35 FanDuel points per game in the last couple. He's been pretty consistent, which is what I'm looking for from that spot. I'll take the wildly erratic when it gets to be the higher price guys. Um, but, yeah, I love the consistency that Russell's going to provide. And Clarkson, too. I mean, like, honestly, if you want to put both in there, I feel good about that. Yeah, no, but, you could you could you can have that, both yeah. Laker guards, both Laker point guards in there, and I can't argue. I don't know how many times that can really happen. So that's just how topsy turvy <laughs> this slate really is. Right. It feels like to me. Yeah, um, I like Alfred Payton at sixty nine hundred, and then Dennis Schroeder. If we want to cheat just a bit, he's at seventy one hundred. I like him too as a point guard option. Schroeder was just fantastic during uh, last Wednesday as well. I think he got close to fifty Fanduel points. Um, I'm very comfortable paying down mid-tier options for shooting guard and point guard and finding the value elsewhere because there are so many different shooting guard and point guard options that are in the cheaper categories. Yeah, you're, you're completely right. And I think Peyton's interesting, too. Uh, he's he's up like 1500 um on salary rise from where he was at. So that's a little that's a little pricey for him, and I, I'd probably steer away from him, but I think the other guys you mentioned are all Schroeder, um, Clarkson, all those guys are people that I'm, I'm intrigued by. I guess this is kind of along the same lines um, for our Would You Rather question for Monday's eight-game slate. Would you rather play three 10,000-priced guys? I think there are four or five, if I'm not mistaken. So three have to be in your lineup or zero. You can only have one or the other, three or zero. I mean, generally, it's tough to get three 10,000 guys in your lineup as it is, um, unless you've got a big slate of games, ton of injuries. Um, I, I really don't see a ton of higher up, higher price guys in tonight's slate where you know, I'm, I'm falling in love with trying to get three of those guys in there. I think mm-hmm. there's only one or two really good matchups that I love. Um, I mean, in, in tournament settings, I, generally, I, I'm completely fine trying to use um, three 10,000 plus players just because you're trying to differentiate your lineup and have your highest possible potential of points. In double ups, I'm, I'm definitely avoiding that strategy at all, almost all costs. That's I'm completely fine using um, no one at 10,000 for, for a double up in, in any slate. Um, that's just, you know, because you're only trying to get in that top half. Right. So uh, you just want that guaranteed production rather than maybe gambling on some cheap guys that are 3,500 that aren't going to get you those points. I, um, I feel that way. I'm absolutely, for the ten for the, for the double-ups, I'm not going to have any 10,000 price guys in there. Or if I was to use this situation, I'm not, I'm going zero over the three. Yeah, yeah. However, in the tournaments, I disagree. I think there's actually enough lower tier value uh, spots you could and I almost want to say easily. I don't like saying easily too often, but I think you could almost easily get three 10,000 price guys in there. I think we're still waiting on a few of those Spurs guys, honestly. Yeah. We're waiting to figure out where that could go. Um, and that could really affect if you're getting guys under 4,000 to be able to put in your lineup. And they're going to be getting 30 minutes a night. Or yeah. 30 minutes on Monday's slate. So I for tournaments, I will use three 10,000 price guys. But for double-ups, I'm not going to be using many, if at all, because I think there you can find a lot of different... Uh, more consistent options elsewhere yeah and I actually I do I completely agree that there's so many um, cheaper options that it's it's really easy to really easily done you know for tonight's slate I just I just for some reason I don't like the the matchups with guys like um, you know 
Towns and, and well, even Giannis. Giannis, yeah, I just, have a those matchups match. just aren't great. And usually, when I'm paying up for a guy, I want that matchup to be you know an easy, easy matchup for them where they can go off for 60, 60 Fanduel points. I just says don't the guy that, that normally plays Russell Westbrook and James Harden every time he sees them. <laughs> well, that's that's different. <laughs> no, it's not. That, different. That's just a man crush, right? No, it's not different at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's a man crush. It, it's a problem. All right. Uh, well, I. I don't know how else to transition to this other than uh, problems, really, I guess. But we've been speaking a lot about uh, pristine auctions and my love and potentially problem of autograph yeah. memorabilia. I consider it a love. It's it's great. I love going ahead and getting autographs, uh, whether it be buying them or shopping them. And pristine auctions has made it super easy for us. I've already acquired a David Johnson autograph jersey from pristine auctions. Yep. It looks fantastic. <laughs> I love it quite a bit. I mean, the fact that the prices are so inexpensive there, we kind of go through different options every time we do these podcasts. I found a Dave Casper. Do you even know who Dave Casper is, Ben? I'm going to be honest, I don't. Dave Casper is a Hall of Fame tight end, played for the Oakland Raiders back when the Oakland Raiders were good. Yeah. But more importantly, Dave Casper came from my high school. Oh, really? My high school of like 2,000 people. Yes. Oh, nice. And got to be Hall of Fame. So uh, Dave Casper <laughs> the is... claim to fame. Yes. Dave Casper is a well-renowned uh, graduate of Chilton High School. And um, one of the one of my favorite tight ends to watch like old-time videos. Yeah. Of. I mean, he's a great blocker, great catcher. Really was a transcendent player. $12 for an autograph helmet from him and even if we're looking at basketball stuff i found multiple kevin love jerseys for 20 dollars or less right now yeah you're not finding that anywhere else no this That's is this so is fantastic yeah. i mean pristine is we're, we're every single time i come on here and i'm like ben i might just buy like 300 dollars worth of autograph <laughs> merchandise today. that tab is permanently open on yeah. your computer <laughs> i'm refreshing it all the time right i love it i love the ability to, to uh, go ahead and do auctions you don't have to pay for any of them until you actually win the item which is fantastic um that, that gets updated daily uh, we have the weekly auctions going on as well which always seem to give per, uh, like fantastic value I, I love pristine auctions it's p-r-i-s-t-i-n auctions.com make sure to let them know that rotowire sent you too that'd be great all right, let's go ahead and get to the Rotowire Optimizer page for today's Monday eight game slate. Um, like I was alluding to earlier, the Optimizer definitely loves targeting Lakers and Nugget players. We have D'Angelo Russell again going against the Nuggets, 6,700. Jordan Clarkson going against the Nuggets, 5,200. We have at shooting guard the Greek Freak going against the Grizzlies at 10,700. We have my boy Buddy Heald going against the Magic at 4,200. Danilo Gallinari going against who else? The Lakers, 6,500. Brandon Ingram going against the Nuggets at 4,000. Julius Randle going against the Nuggets at 6,500. And at power forward, Willie Cauley-Stein going against the Magic at 5,500. And rounding out the uh, perfect optimizer for today, we have Carl Anthony Towns going against the Wizards at 10,500. Like I said, Optimizer likes that Lakers-Nuggets matchup quite a bit. I actually think the Optimizer lineup looks pretty good. This is one of the best ones it's put together. Yeah, I mean, my, my one gripe is probably the fact that they use four Lakers and not like a combination of Lakers and Nuggets. I'd rather probably try and grab the two you know, best values for each separate team and try and try and max out my potential there. Um, that's probably my only gripe with it. I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of Carl uh, Anthony Towns for tonight. Um, otherwise, yeah, there's not much I can, can really complain with here. I was just thinking that this is probably going to be one of the weirdest ones because no one would legitimately watch this game, right? Like if you're, no. unless you are a Lakers Nuggets fan or a DFS player, you would <laughs> exactly. not watch this exactly. game at all. But this probably has high, like uh, I want to say like NBA street pass value where you can kind of go through it right. and like, oh yes, I got to watch that if I'm playing <laughs> DFS. Because exactly. I agree with you. I like this lineup quite a bit. Um, 
I am a little hesitant to use both Giannis and uh, Cat as my two 10,000 players. If yeah. I'm going to use a 10,000 guy, and this is, again, a little bit of a spoiler, I'm using Nikola Jokovic. Um, I get Lakers just don't do very well against power forward, despite yeah. whatever Julius Randle's been able to put up stat-wise. I'm fine using Giannis. I know you're a little hesitant. Not. The Grizzlies actually stink covering point guards lately. Um, they've they've had a hard time with it. And I think that size matchup, obviously Mike Conley's not going to be covering Giannis the whole time, but that's going to be a problem. And Giannis has been otherworldly during the six-game win streak, so I'm fine using him too. But I, there are pretty cheap options at point guard and, and shooting guard. So you don't have to pay up for Giannis. You don't have to pay up for John Wall. You don't have to pay up for DeMar Rosen. You can find a lot of different people in the mid-tier to fill out those two spots. And I think that's at least what my lineup's going to reflect. Ben, who do you have starting at uh, point guard tonight? So we talked about Patty Mills. I won't I won't go too far into that. He's yep. absolutely in my lineup, just 4,000. Otherwise, I'm, I'm paying up a little bit for Kemba Walker. Hey! Yeah. Uh, it's like yeah. I was foreshadowing that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he continues to play extremely well. He's hit 40 FanDuel points in six of his last seven games. So he's scoring at a high rate, getting a little bit of everything else as well. Um, so he's, he's kind of been like the, the model of consistency. You know, he's, you, know add, you add that to the fact that he'll uh, match up with the Bulls. Um, and the Bulls, I think, are like the second worst team on average giving up points to, to point guards in, in, the last, or in the last five or something like that. They've given up. Um, the second most, Close, so. third most, third, third most. most, which is yeah. which is fine. I mean, obviously the other two teams are not playing tonight, the Suns and Cavaliers. So basically, you have the the worst team right now against point guards. Yeah, so that's that's some serious serious upside for for a guy that can can absolutely go off on any on any given night. Um, who, who else are you going with? Well, I like Patty Mills as well. We've kind of discussed that. I don't really need to go over more. Um, and I also have D'Angelo Williams. I'm sorry, D'Angelo Williams. No, I definitely don't have him. <laughs> I have D'Angelo Russell going in there. Uh, D'Angelo Williams is. Is in the NFL. He can't really participate in that, NBA that DFS. Is true. Yeah, <laughs> D'Angelo Russell uh, is going to be my point guard option at 6,700. I, I think he's the best one of the night. Frankly, I don't, Nuggets aren't very good defensively. Russell had prior to his, I honestly would call it a stinker of a game against the 76ers, where he had 23 Fanduel points. He had a 43, 37, and 31. Those were his last three. If you want to stretch it out to his last game, five games prior to that stinker of the 76ers, he got 28 points, rounding up against the Celtics and 38 against the Hornets. So he's been pretty consistent at 1,700 less than, or yeah, 1,700. I can do math. Cool. 1,700 <laughs> less than Kemba Walker. Um, D'Angelo Russell is a fantastic value for me. And again, Patty Mills is my other point guard option. Same with you. So yeah. shooting guard for me, I have Gary Harris. We're looking at kind of what you were suggesting with the RotoWire Optimizer that we, we incorporate more guys going against the Lakers as well as the Nuggets. So Gary Harris, one of the more consistent uh, scoring shooting guards the Nuggets have. He's kind of uh, surpla- surpassed Will Barton when it comes to minutes. At 5,600, I love him quite a bit. And actually, this is kind of one of my sneakier plays of the other shooting guard spot, Evan Fournier going against the Kings at 5,500. Kings, if I'm not mistaken, are one of the worst teams in guarding shooting guards in the last five games. And in fact, they have allowed 53.4 FanDuel points. That is second most behind the Memphis Grizzlies. So if you want to target a Bucks shooting guard guy and you felt like you actually knew who that would be, go ahead. I'm looking at Evan Fournier. He's been doing pretty well, and he's got a great matchup against the Kings. Yeah, I can get I can get on board with both of those guys. Fournier, he's generally just a scorer, but you know, a couple of games back he had like nine boards, so you'd love to see more of that from him, and that that would definitely boost his value. I, I think Gary Harris is even even better player of the two. Um, he's he's a guy that's that's hit thirty plus Fanduel points in like two his two of his last three or something along those lines, um, and he's cheap like fifty six hundred. That's that's yeah. not bad for 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 that spot there. So I'm I'm fully on on board with that. Um, for for my own personal lineup, I'm going Bradley Beal. 
Um, he's kind of expensive, eight thousand. Um, and, and Rodney Hood uh, for Beal, you know, he's another guy that's been just lights out of late. Um, he's, he's had over thirty Fanduel points in ten straight games. Um, and for the last two, actually, he combined for sixty four, eleven, and ten. And this is a guy that you usually um, only think he's going to get points for his scoring. So it's good to see him as well um, getting getting those rebounds and assists. So that really boosts his value. And then with Hood. Uh, his minutes have been really weird. They fluctuated quite a bit the last four mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. It was it, pretty much the pattern's been: you play over thirty minutes, you drop down to twenty. Play over thirty minutes, drop down to twenty. Um, and he played twenty-one minutes in the Jazz's last game, so I'm banking on he's going back <laughs> up to thirty. Um, but yeah, he's he scored over thirty Fanduel points in in both of those games. He he played over thirty minutes. Um, he's only forty-five hundred too. So I think that's that's a decent play um, if you're trying to get a little cheaper. Given that both of my guys that I'm uh, listed Gary Harris and Evan Fournier were at the fifty five hundred and fifty six hundred for price tag, I would have rather went with those as opposed to Rodney Hood and dropped the thousand elsewhere. Because I, I don't, I just don't know. I don't like the inconsistency that Rodney Hood gives you. But the fact that we are still having questions with Derek uh, Derek Favors and where we're fitting in those people in the lineup, Hood's not a bad play by any means. And the Clippers allow a fair amount of uh, points to guards, in particular shooting guards. Again, J.J. Redick is covering that spot. Maybe Jamal Crawford's being hidden out on the shooting guard at the time. So that's not a bad play by any means. Um, who do you have at small forward? I know we kind of rattle off your shooting guards. Yeah, I'm going Daniel Gallinari and uh, Brandon Ingram here. Uh, I will admit with Gallinari, if Wilson Chandler is cleared, I think he was dealing with an injury. I'm, yep. I'm actually flipping over to Chandler. I have a, a couple hundred uh, available. So if if Chandler's cleared, I'm using him over, over Gallinari. But, I mean, Gallinari is still a guy that's been pretty consistent. Um, he usually hovers around that 30 Fanduel point mark. He, he can push for 40 on any given night. I just think that Chandler probably has the higher ceiling of the two. Um, so I'm definitely you know jumping towards him if if he's cleared. Uh, and then with Ingram, he's he's extremely cheap, 4,000. Um, been getting a ton of minutes in recent games. He had 39, 35, 41, and 38 minutes in the last four. So, um, and he's the guy that can get you know that cross category production. So, um, in that that game with the Nuggets, the Lakers, um, we already mentioned it's going to be extremely high scoring. A lot of stats available. So, I, I like you know maybe sneaking Ingram into my lineup. I think if Patty Mills wasn't already the guaranteed Buddy Heald lock of the night, Brandon Ingram would certainly qualify for that distinction as well at four thousand for his price tag. That's fantastic value, especially given what we're all expecting there be point wise. Right. And Ingram's going to get his minutes, and he's going to get more as we continue to go in the Lakers shoot for that number one pick right overall. exactly why, mean, why not give your young guy right. even more minutes? yeah this is all about developing the exactly. future that's what you have to look at with this whole this whole process they've done after the Kobe Bryant farewell tour ended so poorly so yeah <laughs> I, I think uh Brandon Ingram at 4,000 is great value I also am thinking just kind of off the cuff here that how the optimizer like to use both D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson we could potentially use both Danilo Gallinari and Wilson Chandler at the right. small forward spot right. if we so choose they're yeah. roughly around the same price and you could realistically use both small forwards in that matchup and there I would not bad an eye no. I think that's fantastic yeah. value for both those guys yeah so, I completely agree yeah if Chandler is healthy though you're saying he's the one that you'd go with over yeah, Gallinari he's just got a higher ceiling I mean he's probably got a lower floor but I think the ceiling especially in tournament settings you're gonna you're gonna want to go for that so uh, I like Chandler Chandler over Gallinari if, if I have the choice. At small forward, I have Chris Milton going against the Grizzlies at 6,500, and then Otto Porter going against the Timberwolves at 6,200. Kind of a bit of contrarian plays, just one where I'm discussing that I want to target Lakers and Nuggets. Um, Middleton, I still feel, is underpriced, not significantly underpriced like he was before. We've discussed him quite a bit now, yeah. and what he's providing for them offensively during this win streak is fantastic. Again, he's given me a lot of value where I don't feel like I can pivot away from him in a double-up situation. However, in a tournament, I am definitely looking at Wilson Chandler or Gallinari 
um, or both. Like, frankly, if you want to go that route, I'm fine with that. So Middleton's more of a double-up option for me because I know what I'm getting from him. I know I'm getting about 30 FanDuel points, and that's what I want at that spot. And then kind of the same goes for Otto Porter, except the Timberwolves have not been able to defend the small forward spot very well recently. Now, that was kind of buoyed by the fact that Middleton had a pretty good game against them, I think, Saturday, um, which has only helped raise that price up a little higher. But um, I, I like Otto Porter in this situation. I think that he's also kind of one of the more developing 3 and D players that we have in the league. I don't think he has the three quite down yet, um, which you kind of need, frankly, if you want to be a 3 and D player. But yeah, I think Otto Porter still has a lot of potential. And uh, he's one of those guys I consistently like to use. If we're looking at mid-tier players, he's one of those guys that I like quite a bit. Yeah, like for Middleton, I, I liked him a, a crap load more when he was 5,800 or, or whatever he was. But I mean, like you said, his price is still pretty pretty decent for for a guy like him. And, and Porter, I actually tried to get Porter in my lineup I really love this play tonight. Um, he's another that that game's actually the si- the second highest over under behind oh, the, okay. the Nuggets Lakers. So that's another good 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 game to target if you're if you're trying to get um, you know someone in a, in a upper paced game. Um, but yeah, I think Porter he, he's been really hot of late too. So that that's I completely would be on board with getting him in my lineup if I had enough salary available. All these mid tier guys have allowed me to kind of go ahead and pay up for more of the higher priced options at power forward and center. So I'm looking at Nicole Jokovic at uh, power forward against the Lakers. I think he is um, not the John Wall point total that we had discussed when he had won against the Suns last week, but up there. I'm anticipating 50 yeah. Fanduel points. I will be disappointed if he doesn't, in fact, get 50 Fanduel points, and he has the higher, uh, he has a chance of getting even higher than that. And then at my other power forward spot, I have Paul Millsap going against the Spurs, one of the most wildly underrated, I think, superstars in the NBA, and also one of the most consistent DFS uh, options out there at the power forward spot. There is not a ton of mid tier value um, besides Julius Randle that I can think of off the top of my head at least. So I like paying up that spot tonight. I don't like using Blake Griffin. Not really a huge option for me, so I'm definitely kind of going down just a bit more and getting a guy like Paul Millsap into my lineup. Generally, you'd like to avoid the Spurs, but I mean, considering there's no Aldridge, no maybe no Kawhi, like that 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 should give you know Millsap an opportunity to have a, have a big night against that front court. Um, and in Jokic, I've also got Jokic. And the, the Lakers, on average, give up the second most Vandal points to center and the most points to power forward. So whether he's playing either one of those positions, right. he's going to have a field day. I, I love that pick. Um, and then for myself, along with Jokic, I'm going with Julius yeah. Randle. You just Ooh, mentioned him. Yeah, yeah he, he's, he's, he was in the optimal lineup for yesterday. Continues to play extremely well. Um, double double last two of the three, two of the last three games. Um, but yeah, he's only 6,500. So I, I really think there's a lot of value and upside at that price. I mean, you mentioned he was in the opti- optimal lineup last night. He's actually in it tonight, too. I mean, if we're talking about the optimizer right. likes Julius Randle, right. yeah. you like Julius Randle. I mean, <laughs> he's he's going to be solid production-wise, and he's the only mid-tier option I have. So, like, if you want to have a Giannis guy in at shooting guard, you want to have Jokic in there at sh- uh, power forward, Julius Randle will be a guy that you'd have to round out for yeah. your mid-tier options. Yeah. At center, I, I really kind of like this play quite a bit. I like Marcus Gasol going against the Bucks at 7,700. Thon Maker, they have been starting at the center spot for last almost month and a half or so. They've been getting him a bit more reps there. Now he only plays about 20 minutes a night. Right. It's still the Greg Monroe show off the bench. Right. Yeah. But Greg Monroe isn't that much better defensively. He's gotten, right. he's gotten significantly better this year. Yeah. So I don't want to discount what he's been able to do for that for that defense. But he's still not a guy that I'm really known for. And Thon Maker, Marcus Gasol will abuse him will abuse Thon Maker so for those yeah. 12 to 15 minutes that they are playing together. Like, 
four or five rebounds in the span <laughs> that Thon is playing. Like, I would, yeah, that's a, almost a hundred pound difference. I swear to God, if you're looking at the two next to each other. Yeah. So I think Marcus Saul will get it in the rebounds. In fact, he hasn't gotten a double double. I think in the last like five or six games, he's been without that. He's been struggling in the rebound category. So I'm thinking this is prime time for him to get that matchup. And at 7,800, that's a pretty discounted price for a guy that could be putting up double digit rebound numbers. Yeah, that's actually the best part of this. It's his lowest price since December, and that's why I was all over this. I, you know, I faded. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, who's the top overall price. Yeah, that's a tough matchup with the Wizards for him. Um, so I think there's there's no reason not to go with Gasol. He's the next best center, um, and he's got a great, great matchup with the Bucks. So, um, yeah, I think he's in for a big night. I'm not even going to lie. I did not notice that you had put Marcus Gasol in your lineup. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. I feel a lot more vindicated, <laughs> actually, now that you're like, oh, yeah, this is the most appreciated price. I feel like patting myself a little bit on the back right now. So <laughs> it's feeling pretty you good. You should. There you go. All right, well, that does it for us in the Monday NBA DFS slate. We'll be back again Wednesday to discuss our NBA DFS, or, oh, our, yeah, our NBA DFS talk. Uh, probably even give us a little bit of our Final Four picks for that quick intro in the okay. beginning there. I think I'm, yeah. I'm down with that. You better do your research, Ben. I'll see what I can do. I'm pretty good at this stuff. <laughs> not going to lie. I'm, I'm better than average. All right. There we go. That's, <laughs> all, that's, that's all you need to do. That's how you live life, buddy. Exactly. That's how you go. Exactly. All right. Uh, again, that does it for us. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports on Twitter. Ben, where can the people follow you at? Get me at Benman doing work. Still the best Twitter handle in all of RotoWare. Uh, and we'll be back again Wednesday. Thanks for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.